Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Happy Thursday. Dwee's Nuts back in the place with us to break down the afternoon games on Sunday. Tonight's game versus the Broncos and the Jets. Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football as well. This is episode 273 of the TCK Pod, a.k.a. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Dwayne, how are you feeling tonight, brother? Uh, I'm great. Look, there's a, a scare, a little bit of something in the air with this Tennessee-Pittsburgh thing. Let's hope this is not a sign of things to come. we got a postponed game. I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous for football. What do you think? What are your thoughts here? Two thoughts. First one, also nervous. Secondly, I hope I didn't full-on jinx the entire football community <laughs> last week when I literally came on the podcast and said, after two weeks of absolute carnage, just shredding all of our rosters and all of these incredible athletes going down you know, from the top to the bottom, every single league, every single roster, we got week three, we had minimal injuries, nothing super, super significant. And I did mention it was most surprising that all of this carnage has not been COVID related. And that was yep. our actual scare coming into the season. Here we are with our That's first. Your jinx. That's your jinx right there, brother. Ooh. Come on. Now. So I, I apologize to the entirety <laughs> of the fantasy football community uh, if this is my bad. Now, I will say on that note, to shine a little bit of light on a potentially really dark situation. We did get three weeks in and nothing is canceled yet. We have a postponed game. We yep. have seen that the MLB, I'm a, I'm a big baseball nerd and I am always very careful not to talk about baseball on the fantasy football podcast because people freak out. But I will mention being a baseball nerd, having 60 game season instead of 162 game season this year, um, they had a big scare early. The Marlins and the, uh, the Marlins and the Phillies specifically early on in the season had a horrendous breakout, both of them. They had postponed all sorts of games. They started doing doubleheaders, the whole thing. Point is, they got through it after a couple of weeks. The rest of the league was pretty much clear after a couple of postponed games. They really got their, uh, their head around it, turned into a bubble, yada, yada, made it happen. The NBA has been really clean. NHL as well uh, just wrapped up their season. Shouts out to the Lightning. Um, so I do have uh, – I do have um, confidence that it'll get under wraps quickly. Uh, that being said, man, um, we'll see. This is the first domino, but thankfully it's not – the week is not canceled. One game is postponed. I, you know, and correct me if, if you've heard differently so far, but I, I'm hearing rumors that they might have like a doubleheader on Monday night football this week or next week. It might be a Tuesday night game. I don't know how that works for fantasy. Like if they do that, do those stats and stuff for fantasy – it's still week four, I would imagine, no matter when the game is played, because technically those teams have only played four games. Like, I guess I'll turn it back to you, whether you know or not. What are your thoughts on when this game is postponed? 
say they cancel altogether this week, play next week, technically that game is the fourth game. But in week five, like that's what I'm I'm confused sure. about. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. The there was earlier rumor about the Monday night thing, but I'm not sure that's been substantiated at all. It just makes sense to put them on their um, bye weeks to figure out a bye week thing. I don't know if they share a bye week these two teams, but um, yeah, look, if they don't play this week, if they get postponed to next week, if uh, what you know, it's just a bye week for that team. That's how it goes down. If you're if you're counting on Derrick Henry for a second big week in a row, like it's just not going to happen. If you know if they manage to pull something off on Monday night, which would be surprising because that's only a couple of days, um, count it. But I think those two teams are just going to be on bye this week for you. Yeah, what's interesting, and you bring that up here, so I just took a look really quickly. Um, so Tennessee currently has a bye week. Uh, set up for week 11. Uh, Pittsburgh has a bye week currently set up for week nine. The other two teams in question uh, so far, just because Minnesota played Tennessee last week and now um, they are a little bit concerned with Houston there as well. Minnesota currently has a bye week uh, week seven and Houston has a bye week uh, week eight. So all four of those teams are actually different bye weeks. So It's not I wouldn't be, want to be the person making that decision. Let's put it that way. Me either. You know what's interesting, though? And, of course, folks, we'll, we'll get to our games. Uh, but I think this is important that we, that we discuss this here because, first of all, we have six games to break down, so we got plenty of time. But um, now that we're bringing this up, it is an interesting thought. Uh, this is my first kind of time in the day to really get my head around this and bounce this off somebody else. Mm-hmm. So just throwing this out there, not that you and I make decisions, but just a thought. Four of these teams um, are potentially in order. And look, this could domino effect throughout the league. Who knows, right? But right. if it's these four teams and if it's just these two teams, they have current bye weeks set up. I think the biggest issue, and again, without knowing the actual logistics and semantics between a, a multi-billion dollar industry and all these teams and the travel plans and reservations and all this shit. But it seems to me that maybe what they do is they postpone it and they play this game on one of those teams' bye weeks. And then they fill it in with another team. Like, for example, the, the, the Tennessee Titans would no longer have a bye week in week 11. They would have a bye week in, uh, what is it, week eight with Pittsburgh. They would just take it off together. And then when they would both play in week 11 or something weird, like the problem is with the bye weeks is if they don't play or they do play and double up, all the other teams are affected on their schedule as well right? Like, like these other teams have to take off. And, and what I'm thinking is the biggest obstacles for an NFL team usually is a last minute cancellation or a move of a game, which we've had a couple. Um, it's the fans, right? Yeah. Um, if there aren't Ticket. f- tickets, exactly. If there aren't fans, for the most part, most stadiums aren't running fans, at least in the NFL. College could give a shit less, but that's another story. Um, if they don't have a bunch of fans coming to the stadium, you're not worried about 60,000 people getting pissed off. Uh, maybe it is easier to just move a team over here, ship the schedule around. Sure, it's weird, but this is an unprecedented season anyway. And I assume all of these teams, the NFLPA, had to have had some version of this conversation preseason of, look, if this happens, we have to be prepared for it. We cannot go, oh, shit, it's week four. What do we do? I have to imagine they've already made these decisions five months ago before they decided to have the season. So if you were in charge, Dwayne (laughs) – Yep. What do you think might be the easiest way to go about this? And how would you end up playing these games or not playing them? I go, if, if I'm making the decisions, I go into an owner's meeting and I just say, Hey, look, you know, Tennessee's on week 11 by, we need somebody who's on a week nine by to swap. That's it. Just make that decision now, call it now. Like you said, 
ticket sales haven't happened for these games yet because it, we don't know exactly what's going to be open um, stadium-wise. Uh, so it shouldn't be that difficult to do. You can find a team to make that switch with you. There's teams that schedules line up pretty well, pretty closely, um, minimal impact on the whole league. That's how they should probably approach it if they're going to do that. I wouldn't try to squeeze in a, a Tuesday night game, you know, five days, six days after learning of this, or I guess it'd be by then eight days after learning of this. But uh, you're right. They've had the conversations. They have a plan B, C, D, I'm sure, in place somewhere. Um, I don't know why we haven't heard it yet, but I, I guess they only made the decision to postpone a few hours before recording here. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll kind of see. This is a good, a good litmus test of how well the NFL is prepared, though, as, as this week shakes out. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Well, we will see what, uh, what goes on as, as much as you and I could uh, sit here all day and talk about it. We uh, don't make any decisions. We don't know anything we're not sharing, of course. Uh, we're hoping to bring as much value uh, as possible as we can on the podcast. So as of right now, we don't have answers. Um, what we can do is talk about the games that we know are happening, at least as of right now, which we'll start with tonight, Dwayne. We got a barn burner here. Denver Broncos and the New York Football Jets. Look, 0-6 between them, but I would say these teams are good enough to at least be 2-4 and four collectively. I think we can give them that. And uh, it will be interesting for Lucas's Denver Broncos on the road here heading to New Jersey with new quarterback Brett Rippon, who is the nephew of Mark Rippon, who you OGs may remember from the old and golden days here. Uh, for the Jets, man, look, Adam Gase is getting fired on – uh, Friday morning, I would imagine, <laughs> even with a win potentially. And then hopefully Le'Veon Bell is all of a sudden healed overnight. I could see that happening. He pops off the IR. Sam Darnold, who I still think is a capable quarterback in this NFL uh, league, can get it done. They get some of their guys healthy. They might be able to turn it around for at least not the first pick of the NFL draft. On the Broncos side, man, They've been just fine. They got this quarterback issue, what they have just had forever. And even including the Peyton Manning years before that, it was a joke. After that, it's been a joke. It's been really, really tough uh, for the Broncos here. And they got Cortland Sutton out, of course. Judy's beat up. Lindsey could be coming back soon. Melvin Gordon's been fine, but he's kind of Todd Gurley at this point. If he doesn't score, he's almost a disappointment in, in fantasy football. Noah Fant is really the shining light, I think, in this entire game. But uh, – you know, feel free to try to uh, convince me otherwise. Uh, look, this is not going to be the most exciting game we'll watch this week, but it's football, so it's it's better than nothing. And and there's a chance that you own some pieces on these teams, probably the Broncos. I agree with you, Sky. Noah Fant um, has to be your favorite play here. Now, last week he didn't get a single catch in the second half. There were five targets to him some of those with Rippon at the helm. Um, so he, he should be heavily targeted. What the value of those targets will be is yet to be seen. But all we can do as fantasy owners is put guys out there that will have opportunities to score. Certainly he's going to have those opportunities. Um, I think Melvin Gordon's probably a good play this week as well. When you look at a guy like Rippon, you know, coach is going to want to try to take the ball out of his hands as often as possible. The Jets are averaging 30 rushes against them per game, six most rushing touchdowns. Uh, in the league thus far. So he's going to have an opportunity to be successful, even if he's running against eight man boxes all day long. Um, there's nobody else, nobody else probably in this whole game that you can start to be. Well, I, that's not true. Um, I think the defense, the DST here, the Denver Broncos DST is an absolute must go. Saw what happened last week with Indianapolis, two 
defensive touchdowns. So do that. You know, they're already among the best in scoring percentage uh, in the league, that defense. So roll them out there. But, but it's tough sledding. Now, if you're in a very deep league or if you're looking for a really cheap um, play, maybe your MVP play in, in dailies, I think you could do worse than Braxton Berrios this week. Had a nice little game last week, a lot of targets. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be facing Assange Bassi all game from Denver, who is bad at his job, to say the least. So there's going to be some opportunity as, uh, as they're desperately trying to claw all their way back from however many turnovers and, and shit plays on defense the Jets put up. So maybe Berrios in those super deep leagues. But that's it, man. This is not an easy one to watch. I agree. Uh, quick trade talk. Um, yep. It is trade season. You and I were talking about a couple trade moves before we uh, went live here. Um, let's talk Le'Veon Bell really quickly. We talked about Christian McCaffrey last week on the IR, injured for maybe three weeks, maybe six weeks. Are you willing to hold on? Are you trying to capitalize? Are you looking to move on so you can get some players on your thing? Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell right now. Like I said, I healthy or not, I think he comes back in a week or two regardless. If Adam Gase is gone, and that has obviously been more of an injury, if nothing else, to Le'Veon Bell's production and ego, if he's gone and we can get Le'Veon Bell moving here and he becomes active again, do you want him on your team? Do you not want him on your team? Are you trying to get him? Are you trying to move on from him? What is, what is your general temperature right now, just knowing that things could drastically change, at least as far as his playing time and health, over the next two weeks? Bell's a tough spot, man. I intentionally didn't draft him so that I didn't get put into this spot. I know, I know what this team is, what this line is. Now, I will say the reports, the reports do look like he's going to try to come back next week. That's what he's targeting. That's what the team's looking at for him. Um, it'll be week five. He's off their IR. He's ready to roll. But that O line is bad. Defenses know what's coming when he's in the game. He was he was targeted in the passing game so often, given the ball so often last year because he was the only piece of this offense worth even game planning against that we're going to see the same thing um that doesn't mean bell's not going to be able to when he's in there you know break a long run or catch a screen pass and go a long ways but i i, I struggle taking running backs on shit offenses because there's no floor for a guy like that you know as high as bell's ceiling has been in his career at times i don't know that he's i'm ever going to expect more than 80 yards and a touchdown out of him uh, but I know that there will be games where he goes for 15 yards and disappears. So I'm probably not touching him. If you're desperate at the position, um, he he's probably cheap as hell if you're trying to trade for somebody to get yourself a starting back. Say say you were a Saquon owner and you didn't draft another back till much later in the draft. Worth taking a flyer on, I guess, because he's not going to cost you much. I'm just avoiding him myself because I'm afraid of that ceiling on the on this bad offense. I agree. And he hasn't had a rush over 30 plus yards in the last two seasons. We saw last year, even healthy, this offense just isn't able to move. Now, again, if Gase leaves, Sam Darnold is what I think he's going to be. That could change. However, they still don't have a great receiving core, unfortunately, not yet anyway. They don't have a defense to stop anybody. So unless Le'Veon Bell becomes a poor version of Aaron Jones or Alvin Kamara and has 13 targets out of the backfield, I just don't think it's going to be effective. I've been fading Lev for two years, and last year my big thing was before he actually hit, you know, hit the fan in the Jets, um, last year my big thing was breaking down the offensive line. Their offensive line is bad. The reason that sucks for Le'Veon Bell is not only is he getting blown up in the backfield, but his patient running style frankly doesn't work behind an offensive line that can't get any push. In Pittsburgh, 
you can make the argument all day if Le'Veon Bell made Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh made Lev. That's another conversation. But what is just the facts is that their offensive line has been and was the one of the best offensive lines in general in the NFL. What that meant was Lev could sit there and dance behind those guys, find a crease, explode, boom, big plays. Then that also opens up the passing game, yada, yada. With the Jets, you're not worried about Sam Darnold. You're not worried about the passing game. You can blitz the hell out of the offensive line and blow them up. And Le'Veon Bell last year was getting destroyed in the backfield, and we saw it again this year as well. Also, even when he comes back, I am still concerned. I would be open to picking him up if I'm 3-0, and 2-1, and and I can rest him on IR one more week or just kind of have him to see what happens when we forward and get healthy, fine. My issue is he had a non-contact injury. It was his hamstring that often rolls into hip injuries, lower back injuries, the knee situation. It could reactivate. He could have a quad thing, a calf thing. Lower body sucks. Soft tissue sucks even more. I'm concerned about Lev. I'm fading and not excited about him, but I might go try to get him on the cheap just in case. But I'm getting a lot of questions about Le'Veon Bell because people just don't know what the hell to do. And if there's a change with Adam Gase, and all of us in fantasy football have made up in our minds that Adam Gase is the problem, not Le'Veon Bell. If that's the truth, I want Lev on my team. If Lev is just oh. not Lev anymore, then it probably doesn't matter. I do want to warn against this this whole Gase is gone storyline though unless they decide to also fire offensive coordinator Dawa Loggins this is not going to help Dawa Loggins now I'm a I'm a Bears fan and he was the OC for the Bears for a while so maybe I'm a little colored in my my take on him here but he's a shitty offensive coordinator Um, and if he gets an opportunity to call plays which by the way would be the first time in his OC career to call plays if Adam Gase leaves that does not excite me with the offensive pieces that we've seen with this offensive line. Um, Gase being gone does not immediately mean, hey, this team takes a bump because the guy that should replace him, unless they fire them both, the guy that should replace him on offensive calling duties is not somebody to get excited for. I totally agree. I like it, man. Let's move on here. That is the Thursday night game. Of course, we will jump into our pickums at the end of this episode, but let's move on to the later slate on Sunday, of course, We broke down all of the early slate yesterday with our boy Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. You can tune it back one episode to 272 yesterday to catch all the early game previews. Dwayne, let's jump into the Giants at the Rams. The Giants are 0-3. The Rams are 2-1, had a hell of a comeback against the Bills. Honestly, had chances to win that game late. They were down 28 points. They came roaring back. Josh Allen got it done late to stay 3-0 and there, but the Rams looked pretty good, uh, and they were undefeated until last week. So the Rams are actually playing much better than I anticipated, actually. Still have kind of a running back corral, but Woods and Cup uh, are advertised, and Goff is playing pretty well as well. The New York Giants, 14.3 points per game without Saquon Barkley since 2019. They're 1-3 without him so far. So they obviously don't have Saquon the rest of the year here. The Rams are at home. Goff is at home. That usually means fantasy points. How do you feel about the Giants and the Rams? Look, the Giants offense, I was tooting their horn. This is uh, this is one of my biggest misses of the offseason. I was excited about this offense. I knew the line was going to struggle early on. I thought things would come together. Obviously, Saquon leaving makes a big difference, though. But uh, it was a big miss for me. And I'm, I think I'm done holding out hope for this Giants offense to be what I thought they could be. Now, in this game... Uh, if you're in a super, super deep league or if you're looking to play a, a big GPP lineup somewhere on DraftKings or something, you might roll Devonta Freeman out there. 
backs have been successful both on the ground and in the air against the Rams. 151 total yards per game given up to backs by this team. But at the same time, the Giants offensive line is is another trash offensive line. 3.2 yards per carry is the worst in the league. That's what they're putting up. So, um, you know, consider it maybe in one of your many GPP lineups, but probably nowhere else. I would start from this Giants team, Golden Tate, though. Um, we saw last week Beasley from the slot go six for 100 against the Rams. I think it's an opportunity. Um, we also saw last week uh, Golden Tate got a lot of looks, got a lot of looks when uh, when it counted, I think, from Daniel Jones. So I, I think Tate's somebody that he's looking to, and we might see a decent little game from him. Probably a similar line to Beasley is what you're hoping for. Um, and that's, that's enough. If you're starting Tate, he's probably your second, maybe even third flex spot. Um, so I'd do that. Everyone else on this team, you're sitting. Flip side of the ball, a very different story. You know, I'm going to roll Goff out there, Cup out there, Henderson out there. And uh, my favorite play from this game has got to be Josh Reynolds. We've seen so far Z receivers against the Giants have nice games. James Washington in week one. Darnell freaking Mooney from the Bears in week two. Brandon Ayuk last week. All these guys are Z receivers. That's a position Josh Reynolds plays. So I think he's a sneaky play in daily. I think he's going to be a really solid flex play um, this week. I'm a little concerned about Robert Woods, though. Should be shadowed by James Bradbury all week, who is the best defender on the team by a long shot. Um, pretty good chance he'll shut him down. The only shot, the only the only reason I think you play Woods is um, he's played 22% of his snaps from the slot this year. And if he moves to the slot, that's the only place Bradbury won't follow him. So he may get a couple of nice plays out of the slot if the coaching staff decides to use him that way. But, you know, the target share that Cup's getting over the last two games says be careful about Woods. The, um, the work we saw with Daryl Henderson last week, and he's probably going to be the starting back again here this week, um, says go ahead and roll him out there. I think Reynolds is going to have – a nice game. I don't think, I don't think they need Woods. Um, if you heard my stat rat episode on Tuesday, um, I talked a little bit about Woods and why you should be trying to get rid of him from your team. You can go take a look at that if you want to, but um, those, those are the guys that I'd like to play here. I'm not starting either tight end right now. Um, Higby and Everett are just kind of, they're, they're negating each other's volume consistency. They went two and two in targets last week, four and two in targets in week one. So Higby might have a big game, but I think they're just kind of knocking each other down several notches right now. So I'm not excited about playing either of those guys. I think that's a great call. I love that you bring up Josh Reynolds. We have been repping him on the podcast kind of tongue in cheek, uh, but it was mainly just um, seeing the talent and him not getting the opportunity over the last couple of years. So we've been kind of like, you know, pseudo repping him on the podcast. So I love that you bring him up there with Robert Woods in PPR leagues. It's, it's going to be hard to sit him. I mean, he just gets, sure. he gets the volume. He gets the, the catches, whatever. But he doesn't score a lot. Now, he scored okay this season because he's also rushing the ball. He has like a 20-yard rushing floor, which 20 yards doesn't sound like a lot. But from a receiver, it's an extra two yards, three yards, and he's getting rushing touchdowns as yep. well. So, look, the Giants are terrible on offense and on defense. But Bradbury has proven over the last couple of years, Carolina and whatnot, he has shut down some of the most elite receivers in the NFL. Michael Thomas, uh, Julio Jones, Mike Evans in that NFC South, to name a few. And look, Robert Woods is awesome, and he's going to get looks, but uh, I think that's a great call from you. Look, and it may, you know, again, season-long season leagues, it's going to be hard to look at your roster and be like, eh, 
I yeah. trust this guy more than Robert Woods, right? But in DFS and stuff, it's like throw Josh Reynolds in there for free and get get a, a Woods out of your lineup, right? So I think that's a I think that's you know the what here's here's how you avoid playing Woods this week. Go trade him before Sunday. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna want to take that take the uh, value that you got as him as the eight, number eight wide receiver in the league right now. Get rid of him while you can. Then you're not tempted to play a guy like that in weeks um, where we don't expect something from him like this week. Robert Woods or Keenan Allen? I play Keenan Allen. You think that's a fair trade right now? 19 targets last week, but we don't know what's going to happen when Terod gets healthy. If he gets yeah, healthy. I, I would. I mean, I don't love Keenan Allen, but I think I'd rather have. You know, you can trade Robert Woods for Keenan Allen and probably something else, um, probably another another piece, maybe even a flyer somewhere. And I'd do that trade straight up. It'd be a little bit tough just because the value right now is is pretty heavily skewed in Woods' way. I think. Got it. All right, let's move on to the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, New England has looked great. And, and honestly, to Cam's, uh, to Cam's credit, he has looked so much better than I expected him to look. Obviously, on the ground, we know what he's, what he's able to do. But through the air, his numbers aren't, aren't incredible, but he has looked good. He has, he has been throwing the ball well, and he's accurate, and he looks good when he does it. So he's grown a lot, I think, uh, after that injury from the last couple of seasons. We don't know if James White's going to play yet. Rex Burkhead jumping in with three touchdowns last week. Sony Michelle turning back the clock, forgetting his knees are trash. Ends up going 117 on the ground. He looked great. Julian Edelman's Julian Edelman. On the other side, the, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, when you, when you roll out to Baltimore and you just lay the wood the whole game, yeah. it was, it's just unbelievable. So Kansas City is not really even worth talking for, about, frankly, unless you have something to add or somebody to fade for some reason. Let's focus on New England here. Look, we saw what they did to corral uh, Lamar Jackson last week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, career low in passing yards. Mark Andrews wasn't able to get it done. Hollywood Brown dropped a touchdown but didn't have much to do. The running backs more or less got shut down. Kansas City gets so much credit for that high-power offense. Their defense is often slept on. This game is in Arrowhead. I'm worried about the Patriots, not only to get shellacked in NFL terms, but fantasy-wise, I'm not as confident that as I have been over, over the last couple of uh, weeks. Yeah, Chris Jones is is an absolute animal on the field, man. He's he's too good. He's too good, um, and he makes that defense so much better just being there. You saw last year what happened when he came back versus before he was there. But uh, that that Kansas City Chiefs team is going to be hard to beat all year. Um, I will. I, I do want to say one thing about that Chiefs game, and there is a guy that I'm fading, and it's Sammy Watkins here. Um, if he's not if he's not in the game because he's always dinged up. It's Hardman, the same thing. And, and the sole reason is that Stephon Gilmore is going to shadow him. He has done it almost a dozen times over the course of these two guys' careers so far. In the last three games combined, Sammy's gone for five catches, 85 yards against him, 38.5% catch rate. Don't, don't roll him out there. Do not play Sammy Watkins. He had his week one. You're done with him. Um, now, the Patriots have been relatively effective in neutralizing Tyreek Hill as well with Jonathan Jones and a safety, but I'm not concerned. Like just play him because he is who he is. Don't get cute with the Kansas city chiefs. Don't get cute. Play the guys. Okay. That's it's as simple as that. Uh, on the other side, the Patriots side, a little bit of a different story this week. I'm going to say, you know what, go ahead and start cam. People are going to be real scared because of how, how well they shut down Lamar Jackson last week, but Lamar Jackson and cam Newton, Sure, they both get points running the ball, but they are very, very, very different players. And game planning against stopping these guys, 
uh, you have to do it in very different ways. The big reason I'm still comfortable playing Cam this week is that Seattle game, though, 397 yards passing, um, 30 for 44, only scored one touchdown through the air there. But what that game shows me is that Cam and Belichick are both willing to just drop back and air the ball out if they have to in order to win a game. If, if Cam's not getting anything going on the ground, if this run game in general is not getting anything going, they're not afraid to throw it. And Cam looked good. His shoulder looked good. Finally, it's been too damn long since we've seen Cam Newton throw a, a, a nice ball. I think he'll be okay. As far as the receivers on this team, I'm, I feel good about Nikhil Harry this week. Um, I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver, probably back end of our wide receiver two, maybe top end wide receiver three this week. little concerned about Julian Edelman. He'll be facing the Honey Badger most of the game. Um, and uh, if anybody's going to shut down Edelman or at least slow down Edelman, that's going to be the guy to do it. Uh, I'm not going to play any tight ends in this game. Those tight ends basically don't exist. As far as the running backs go, you know, I'm not touching anybody there either. Like you said, we don't know if James White's back. If he is back, which I wouldn't be surprised if we don't find out until Sunday mm -hmm. that James White's playing, if he's going to play. Uh, he's taken all that Burkhead work back. I know Burkhead went off last week, but it felt more fluky than anything. And yes, Sony had a great day as, day as well, but JJ Taylor got more touches than Sony Michelle did in that game. Like there's, it's unpredictable. We're back to the old Bill Belichick running back core. And that's not a good thing for fantasy football, especially in a game where there's a chance that they're down by three touchdowns by the middle of the second quarter and trying desperately to claw back in the whole way. And that's where I would push back a little bit on Cam Newton. I'm not saying to bench him per se, if you don't have a better yep. option, just because if they end up on the goal line, he could get you two touchdowns. He could throw for right. one and have a decent fantasy day. My pushback, though, would be uh, just the weapons that they have, the nature of what Cam does, and we haven't seen it yet, is yeah. air the ball out truthfully. Now, I, you know, watching that Seattle game, he did throw for 397 and looked great. Uh, obviously, had a couple rushing touchdowns, missed that third one, but, you know, whatever. Um, the difference is Seattle's defense literally is the worst against wide Crash. receivers for fans. Like, literally so the worst. Yes. Kansas City's is not. They're solid. They play great schemes. They're well coached. They have a great defensive line, linebacking core, and secondary. So my concern is that they're going to bring pressure on Cam. So maybe he'll scramble a little bit, pick up some points. But I don't think he's going to like true pocket passer yet. That's not really his vibe, right? And Nikhil Harrier looks great, and I know that we're all excited about him, but he hasn't quite took off. And look, Julian Edelman had a career high, 178, if memory serves receiving yards against Seattle with a couple diving catches and just absolutely oh, yeah. was insane. If that doesn't happen again, I think Kansas city smokes them. Right. And I am concerned if James white does come back, there's no reason that Belichick might not literally run the ball 40 times to try to just keep that uh, sure. offense off the field. I mean, that's the mind games that, that bill and, and McDaniels might play. So I'm not saying to, you know, not saying to bench cam automatically, um, but you, you know, if you have another option on your, uh, on your bench and you're, you're looking to flip somebody out, then I might do that. Honestly, this sounds ridiculous, but one person that you may just have floating around or might be on waivers that'd be worth a spot start. Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> at home oh, yeah. goes yeah, against man. those Seattle Seahawks and look, Fitz is good for 404 at some point, And this is as good a week as any. So Call me crazy, but I could see it happening. Uh, I just want to push back a little bit on Cam just because this seems like a little bit of a trap game only because 
sure, they're going to be down a lot and they might be trying to throw it. I just don't know that they'll be as effective as they were against Seattle. That's, that's for sure. Seattle's trash. And absolutely, I'd take Fitzmagic over Cam Newton if I had that option, for sure. You're right. Love it. All right, man, let's jump into the Buffalo Bills and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bills, 3-0. Raiders, almost 3-0. Buffalo has 31 points per game this season. That's the third most in the NFL. So much for uh, run, 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 sneak with Josh Allen. That is, not, <laughs> that is not the game plan this year. Josh Allen's airing the ball out. He looks phenomenal. If it wasn't for Russell Wilson, Josh Allen is probably easily the uh, front line for MVP so far. Uh, the offense looks great. The receivers looks great. The defense is really solid on the other side. The Raiders have really surprised me as well. Derek Carr, I would say, looks good as well. Um, good work out of the receivers, although they are banged up in the receiving core. And Josh Jacobs, you got to start him, but he had a great week one, and he's been a little bit pedestrian since then. Darren Waller, career year or career week two weeks ago, disappeared last week. What are we going to get here from the Bills and Raiders? Uh, there are so many pieces to start in this game, I think this is going to be um, there going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. And I'm starting pretty much everybody that y- you'd think to start in this game. Look, Josh Allen, it's Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and Russell Wilson. And th- that's a tier one by a long shot right now for fantasy purposes at least. And Josh Allen just looks so good, comfortable, composed on that field. Nothing's shaking him. Um, and I don't care if, you know, the, the Las Vegas Raiders – Defense has been good against quarterbacks. This guy's going to go off. So you start him. You start him everywhere all the time. 300 games in each passing yards, sorry, in each game this year. That's not rushing yards, but he's still running the ball as well. Um, You know, there were doubters after week two when he'd played a couple of crappy teams. I think it was the Jets and the Dolphins. But against the Rams last week, still went 300 yards passing. Loved it. Stephon Diggs is absolutely the man. He's coming to his own on that team. Roll him out there. I think Devin Singletary, even with Zach Moss probably coming back this week, is going to be a really solid play. There have been um, two touchdowns to running backs in each of the games thus far against the Las Vegas Raiders. CMC scored two, Alvin Kamara scored two, duh, right? But Rex Burkhead scored three last week. So there are going to be touchdowns scored on the ground. Maybe they're Josh Allen, maybe they're Zach Moss, but I like Devin Singletary to get himself at least one, whether that's on the ground or in the air. I think he's a solid play this week. Um, I also like Cole Beasley this week on this team, maybe in deeper leagues. He's had at least six targets in each game. His catches and yard totals have come up in each week. So I would not be afraid to roll him out there at all. Now, as far as John Brown and Gabriel Davis go, both of these guys are getting work, but Brown's workload is decreasing. Gabriel Davis, I need to see a little bit more um, utilization in a week or two over the next week or two before I feel really comfortable starting him, although he looks really promising. So I'd sit those two guys um, and let Diggs do all of your wide receiver work uh, on this team just because he's so good right now. Um, I mean, he is everything that I could have hoped him to be, and I'm a Diggs keeper from way back. Uh, on the Raiders here, you got to start Carr. So Buffalo's given up 275 and two touchdowns to quarterbacks. Carr's averaging 261 and two touchdowns. So far in the season, seems like a no-brainer. He's going to go 270 and two, which is is good enough for a QB two. And if you're if you're rolling Derek Carr out there as your QB one, you've got other problems. So hopefully you're starting him as a two. Um, yeah, Buffalo was good against Miami and the Jets running backs and run game, but it was Miami and the Jets. Daryl <laughs> Henderson last week exposed something. I think Josh Jacobs takes advantage and has another big game. 
maybe not as big as week one, but he'll be good. Uh, Ruggs likely to miss this game altogether, so so maybe Renfro's another decent start here. There's not a lot of wide receiver love to be had for the Las Vegas Raiders, but Renfro looked pretty good last week. Buffalo's given up, like I said, 275 passing yards per game, so maybe he gets a piece in those deeper leagues or in a, as a daily play. I think Renfro's going to be real cheap, but uh, yeah, Darren Waller's going to be he's going to be the man. If he doesn't score more points than any other tight end this week, then uh, something something's wrong. They need to fire that coach. Herndon, Chris Herndon, Mike Kosicki had big volume games against this team weeks one and two. Not only does Darren Waller have the most targets of all tight ends, he's got the ninth most targets of any player in any position in the league right now. This guy's this guy is this passing offense right now. And that's with four targets last week, just two receptions, yes. and those were until the end of the game anyway. So I think that's a uh, I think that's a good call there. And you know, you kind of uh you uh took your wound earlier on the Giants call. Um mm-hmm. You had faith in the Giants preseason. It's backfired. Look, I was, and I kind of still am, uh, not convinced that Stephon Diggs is what everybody wants him to be. But look, as of right now, as of right now, I'm more than happy to eat crow. And I'm stoked. I don't have him on any team. I faded him on every everywhere because I was not convinced. I like Josh Allen a lot, but I was not convinced that it would work. But look, the Bills went out and specifically got Stephon Diggs as one of the highest, most productive an efficient a dot receivers average depth of target down the field one of the better deep stretching wide receivers in the nfl as inaccurate quote unquote as josh allen was in his first two seasons we clearly have seen that increase this year because he now has a receiver that can go and get it other than john brown john brown's been great too but they have really really surprised and so i have to uh you know, kind of lick my wounds as well on, on Stefan Diggs and this offense in general. And I mentioned it on uh, Monday for the ballers and stallers episode, but the um, Josh Allen did not have a 300 yard passing game uh, in his career up until uh, this season. And now he's had three weeks in a row over 300 yards. So he is ob- absolutely getting it done. And I want to give a quick shout out to our good brother, Chris Benavides of the Commission Fantasy Football Podcast coming up tomorrow to break down the TCK Pod Listener League recap from week three and preview of week four, because from the preseason, he has been repping Josh Allen as kind of the dark horse MVP on the season. And as I just said, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson throwing a NFL record 14 touchdowns over his first three games, I think there would be a little question um, against Josh Allen so far, at least. Now, they have had a cake schedule that will change, but as of right now, they have been absolutely phenomenal. So, again, we'll go over our pickums, but uh, spoiler alert, I think we uh, both overall like the Bills in this game, but there is, um, you know, some other, uh, some other fantasy gold maybe on the Raiders' side as well. Sure. All right, brother, let's jump into the Sunday night football game. And then we got Monday and we will get out of here. Sunday night football, the Eagles and the 49ers. The 49ers are playing their fourth straight game against a winless opponent. Fourth straight game against a team that has not yet won a game by the time they play the 49ers, which is pretty incredible. Eagles, of course, 0-2-1 with the first tie on the season with the Bungles last week. 49ers 2-1. Now, they're probably going to be rolling out my man Nick Mullins again this week. Uh, if Jimmy G's healthy, I guess they're going to roll with him. But Nick has been just fine, and I've been repping for two years that I think Nick Mullins is just as good as Jimmy. And he's free, and we can get rid of Jimmy and do some other shit, but that's another uh, fan homer conversation. Jeff Wilson also looked fantastic last week. Jarek McKinnon had a rib injury, left the game. Raheem Mostert still on IR for another week, maybe two. Tevin Coleman on IR. 
you know, they have hasty coming off the practice squad and undrafted free agent. Jeff Wilson, I think is a great spot start that you got off of waivers. Brandon Ayuk, you mentioned um, earlier in the, the uh, podcast could be an, uh, an option this week. George Kittle should be coming back healthy. If George Kittle doesn't come back healthy, keep an eye on my man, Ross Dwelly. Last week he crushed, even with Jordan Reed getting a bunch of work early. Jordan Reed went down after he dropped a touchdown and you know sprained his ankle and knee, which is what, what he does. Ross Dwelly came out and did just fine. He was great over the two weeks that Kittle missed last year. And then on the other side, man, the Eagles are an absolute train wreck so far. Miles Sanders is fun because everyone's rooting for him, but Carson Wentz looks like shit. You and I have both kind of been on that train for a while, and they still have no receivers. Dallas Goddard's out. Zach Ertz. So it's going to be a tough one, I think, for Philadelphia here. It absolutely is. This should be this should be another big win for your boys. A um, couple of just injury updates. It does look like Jimmy's out, hasn't practiced yet. So uh, maybe week five they're thinking is a return for him. But Kittle was full go in practice on Wednesday. So he is absolutely expected to line up, and uh, he's going to light it up. I mean, he's he's George Kittle. Damn it. What's to say about George Kittle? Um, I will happily start Nick Mullins if he's the quarterback on this team, though. Boom, 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 boom. 343 and a touchdown last week. Really solid. This is a bad defense uh, in Philadelphia, so go ahead and do it. Now, I think my favorite wide receiver start for the team this week has got to be Kendrick Bourne. I know the receivers are a little bit rough here, but um, Brandon Ayuk had a nice little week last week. This week, he's going to be playing man-to-man against Darius Slay pretty much all game. He's going to follow him into the slot, out of the slot, anywhere he goes. And Darius Slay is a stud. Uh, so I, I would temper Brandon A.U. They're going to find a way to use him. He'll get involved in some way. But I'd rather have a guy like Bourne, who I think has the best shot at, you know, maybe he goes five catches, 100 yards, and a potential touchdown. I know the receivers on this team aren't scoring right now. But I think I think Bourne's a dark horse to do it this week. Um, I'm going to roll out. Whoever the running back is, I guess McKinnon is off the injury report as of today. So I'll happily roll McKinnon out if I've got him. I'll happily roll Wilson out if I've got him. I'll put both of them out there. They had nice weeks both last week. I think they both finished top 12, something, maybe top 15. I think they have a good chance to do something similar this week, maybe top 20, both of them, which would be which would be great. I know this Eagles defense, um, the run defense has been pretty good so far. But this is the best run team. This is the best running team in the league, the San Francisco 49ers. It doesn't matter who's lining up back there. They're going to have big games. And this is a game where they should be leading by a lot and early. Uh, So that's the Niners. Eagles side of the field. I'm going to start Miles Sanders because I think Miles Sanders is legit. I think in a year or two, he'll be pushing that tier one of running backs. That's just who I think he is. I thought that when he came out of college. I still think that watching him play since – He's been back. Um, But that's it. Maybe in a GPP big tournament in daily somewhere, I'll start Greg Ward. He, you know, looked pretty good last week, 11 targets last week. But uh, I'm not I'm not starting him in any kind of normal format, certainly not in the weekly format. John Hightower gets a really nice matchup against Dante Johnson, who's not good, um, to put it bluntly, not good at football. But I don't trust I don't trust Wentz. I don't trust anything on this team. So I'm not, I'm not playing a John Hightower. I'm not playing Zach Ertz this week, I'm not scoring touchdowns. He's going to get a shitload of volume, but San Francisco has been great against tight ends. Ertz is not scoring touchdowns. That hurts him. And look, this team signs Hakeem Butler 
from Arizona um, just a couple of maybe yesterday. Uh, and they've already decided that they're not signing him to replace their decimated wide receiver core, but they've already transitioned him to tight end to take mm-hmm. over for Zach Goddard or not Zach, but Dallas Goddard. So um, I don't know what's happening in this front office, um, but it's not, it's not good. And I, and that just shuts Ertz's value down because they're replacing Dallas Goddard. They recognize that he's a, a huge part of the offense and they need somebody that can catch the ball and run like that. That is Hakeem Butler not going to play him this week, maybe in a week if we, if he comes in and does what Goddard's been doing, but I'm not starting anybody in short. I'm not starting anybody, but Miles Sanders on this team and Greg Ward in a very, very deep league. Notes on miles. Let's see notes on, uh, who's I getting at? I'm sorry. Uh, Eagles last week, Bengals, the top wide receivers, uh, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk getting shadowed by Darius Slay and yeah. uh, Jeff Wilson slash McKinnon. I'm starting the running backs for sure as well. Uh, I'll fade Ayuk. I just don't know anybody that would have to play him necessarily. Right. But I will say that this rushing defense for uh, Philadelphia had shut down Joe Mixon last week. They have been very good. You mentioned they, you know, who the hasn't shut down Joe Mixon? Though? Sure. Let's be the 49ers are, are far better than the Bengals. I'm just saying that yeah. if they had a, uh, a, a, a tough matchup on that defense. It's the uh, defensive line. And then Darius Slay, frankly, shut down A.J. Green as well. So, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk is probably not getting played by somebody, uh, but just, you know, temper expectations, I think, overall. But I will say that if, if the 49ers get up early in this one, they just have to run out the clock, frankly. So both these running backs could easily get 20 touches in this game. And uh, we have seen over the years with multiple running backs, uh, with multiple skill sets, get it done with uh, potentially multiple touchdowns as we saw last week. So fire real, real quick about these backs as a, as a homer, as a, as a 49er fan, what do you think of Jarek McKinnon? I'm not into it. I've said it no. for two years. Here's the, okay. I'll run you through it real quick. We signed Jimmy okay. G. I wasn't happy about it. Don't think he's very good. He's a system quarterback, yada, yada. He's not fancy. I know he's like almost undefeated as a 49er, blah, 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 and other shit. A bunch of other quarterbacks would be with an incredible coach and an incredible team around them and offensive line. I digress. Nick Mullins comes in, breaks all of Brett Favre's records at Southern um, Missouri and – or Southern Mississippi, excuse me. And he's got uh, all, of the, all of the weapons, I think, and all of the tools that Jimmy G has, and he's free. Boom. So that's my – Nick Mullins over Jimmy G. Then we get Raheem Mostert, who comes in, and we had uh, bring in Tevin Coleman. Wasn't stoked about that, but the Shanahan guy. We bring in Jarek McKinnon, pay him too much money, tears his ACL, fine. Next season comes in again, tears his ACL, fine. Third time, he's played very well, but Jeff Wilson is doing what he can do. Raheem Mostert has done what he can do. What I would like to see as a 49er fan is get rid of are big money expense guys who are not difference makers, in my opinion. Save the money with Nick Mullins, get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, bring some shit back, and then also get rid of our high-priced running backs, Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, get rid of them. We have Raheem Mostert for free. He's still getting paid special teams money. And we have Jeff Wilson, who nobody even knew about till last week, and we're pretty solid on UDFAs. So honestly, my opinion is not popular uh, and I've been saying it for two years and it's not just, I'm like, you know, I hate these guys. They suck. They don't suck. Jimmy's fine. And he's got wins. And then he, you know, we're five yards away from beating the chiefs. Mahomes doesn't get paid. The 49ers are the champions. It's a whole nother conversation, but that didn't happen. And I'm not saying Nick Mullins necessarily makes that throw, but we haven't been able to get it done. And on the running back side, anybody can run behind this offensive line and the running scheme. 
but that's more to my point. We don't need expensive guys doing it. We just need five dudes. You know what I mean? So if we have <laughs> Mostert as the expensive guy and we bring in Jeff Wilson, who's been in the system for two years now, who's just fine. He's played four games or excuse me. He's played three games. He started three games. He's got five touchdowns. Right. And then we have uh, hasty who came in as a UDFA as well. So I think we're going to just find bold prediction. And I said this kind of preseason before shit hit the fan with Lev bold prediction. I could see Le'Veon Bell potentially ending up on the 49ers. If Mostert is more injured or Jarek McKinnon is more injured than we think he is because mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell just needs a team like the 49ers to succeed. And the 49ers need a back like Le'Veon Bell who can do all the things Shanahan needs him to do. And at this point, I think Lev would kind of eat it financially just to be on the winning team and get the hell out of uh, New York. So that's my 49er uh, rant, and I will, I will just leave it there. Hey, I hate, to, I hate to correct you about your own team here, but they restructured Jarek McKinnon's deal. He only makes a million bucks this year. Beautiful. Let's make it yeah. half. There you go. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Give Jeff Wilson money. He makes, he makes almost twice Jeff Wilson does. Good. Let's flip those salaries and let's get Uncle, Uncle Sherm out of town as well, save a little money there, and there uh, bring back there Joe Nedney and we'll get a, a Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. Let's move into the last game of the week. That is the Atlanta Falcons and the Green Bay Packers. Good news for the Falcons. They're not going to have an opportunity to be up 20 this week, so they could have a chance to uh, – to get a W here. Bad news for the Falcons. They're playing Aaron Rodgers, who's playing out of his mind. The Green Bay Packers lead the NFL right now in points scored so far. And again, outside of Russell Wilson, outside of Josh Allen, uh, Green Bay has been uh, absolutely phenomenal. And uh, Rodgers is making a case for MVP as well without Devontae Adams for two games here. So it's going to be interesting to see if Tay plays. It's going to be interesting to see if Julio plays. Matt Ryan, kind of a bust last week. Ridley's out of his mind as well. Russell Gage got beat up. Hayden Hurst has not been what we thought he was going to be. On the other side, Alan Lazard has really stepped up, and MVS has kind of disappeared as well. So, you know, running backs-wise, you obviously got to fire up Aaron Jones, of course. But Todd Gurley, man, I'm not sure. I feel like Brian Hill is kind of a – I read a a waiver wire pickup, and in that message, I kind of just said, like, look, Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley as far as, like, reputation. But Brian Brian, um, Hill has been – more effective on the ground five yards per carry versus 4.2 yards per carry the touchdown Brian Hill scored on last week was a 30 yard run where he made a couple of cuts Todd Gurley just isn't making that play anymore Uh, that's a difference maker so I think it's going to be interesting how they move on from that but how do we feel about the Falcons and the Packers on what should be a nice shootout for Monday Night Football yeah so uh Let's start Packers, and it's really uh, start everybody. I would even roll MVS out here because it doesn't take many plays for him to get his nut, to be honest with you. He's a, he's a big, deep ball guy, and as, as much as everybody on this team seems to hate him being there, Aaron Rodgers included, he keeps throwing it to him. Um, so I'd, I'd play literally everybody from this team if I could. Atlanta's giving up the most points to quarterbacks on the year, 12 touchdowns to quarterbacks this year, and I think Aaron Rodgers spreads those out nicely. Um, so play them all. Play them all. The Falcons are terrible. The Bears beat them last week. The Cowboys came back from God knows how many back with four minutes in the game to beat them two weeks ago. This is this is a team that you should always play against. Falcon side of the ball. Uh, I'm pretty much starting everybody here too. Green Bay's just not stopping anybody. The the two concerns I do have, and you mentioned them, Hayden Hurst hasn't yet exploded like some of us, myself included, kind of hoped he would. Uh, he did have a, a nice little game in week two, eight targets, but last week against the Bears back down to three again. They are real good against 
the tight ends. Green Bay, unfortunately, is also solid against tight ends. So he might he might struggle in this game to get it going. But again, there's everybody on this team is one play away from a big day. So it's hard to sit somebody like Hayden Hurst. Like I drafted Hayden Hurst as my bat, as my tight end everywhere, and I didn't bother trying to find a streamer to replace him this week because I think it's one he's one play away from having a big game in just about any game. So I'll probably start him as well. Uh, and then the other concern is Brian Hill here. You mentioned it. You like Brian Hill, but the the facts about Brian Hill's usage are hard to ignore, right? He's averaged 24 snaps over uh, the first two weeks of this season. He had 31 last week. He got he was in there for for three series in relief of of Todd Gurley. It's not like he's cycling in there regularly. He didn't see the game. Uh, he didn't see the field in the first quarter, I believe, in the game at all had one series in each of the other quarters, happened to be in when they scored. Uh, he, what, he scored 20, 29-yard touchdown or something. So I don't believe the team is trying to use Brian Hill like it might seem like he is. I almost put Brian Hill, Todd Gurley, in my stat rat thing because last week it, he looked really good when you saw him on the field. And some of the stats you mentioned, his yards per carry, these, some of these big plays he's having look really good. But the fact remains – the coaching staff is not using him as more than just a relief for Todd Gurley to try to keep some of Gurley's legs fresh, that knee fresh. And until they start doing that, um, I'm not, I'm not putting him on the field because you're hoping again, you're hoping for him to break a 29 yard touchdown or happen to be in when they're on the goal line. I'd rather somebody um, that's getting 45% of the snaps, 40% of the snaps um, if I can get them. So I'd avoid Hill for now, but I'm certainly keeping my eye on him because I like what you see on the field with Hill. We just need to see the coaching staff adjust accordingly before we feel good about it. I agree. Good call there. Do you think Tay and Julio would be good to go? You know what? There hasn't been any news at all about Julio Jones since prior to last week. Um, I It's a hamstring in those situations. My, I always just hope that teams wait longer than they should. They normally don't wait longer than they should. To be honest, Julio Jones is a guy that has been playing through injury for a long time. So until we see, until we see a report, I'm going to assume that he'll be out there. And I'm going to hope that he's not out there, if that makes any sense. We have almost the exact same situation with Devontae Adams. No news at all since prior to week three. It's a hamstring here as well. I think he was closer to playing last week than Julio was. So I think his, his chance to play this week is probably a little bit better. But to be honest, I'm not surprised if both of them are out there. I'm really hoping Julio doesn't. But uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I wish there were news. There, you know, probably by the time people are hearing this episode, something will have come out, at least a practice report. But we haven't even seen a practice report. Right. Hope so, man. It's always, uh, always better when two of the best uh, football yeah. players in general are on the field, certainly at their – respective positions all right brother let's wrap it up here man we have gone uh the distance here with the um afternoon games of course we have tonight's game with the broncos and the jets let's start there with the pickums man we've done all of the uh, analysis here let's just break it down real quick one word answer my man we'll start with thursday night football tonight who you got broncos jets god i wanted to pick the jets but you gotta take rippin's broncos I'm going to go with the Broncos as well. So is Bobby. I think this is probably the week that uh, Lucas goes with the Jets, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how he goes there. Let's go to the afternoon games here. Giants or Rams? Uh, I've got – who do I got in this one? The Rams. Yeah, I'm, I'm over the Giants. I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Bobby too. 
New England, Kansas City. KC. KC at home and KC on the road. Buffalo at Las Vegas. Buff- I love Buffalo, man. It's got to be Buffalo. That, I love that's Buffalo, too. I think they get it done on the road, go 4-0. Philadelphia at San Francisco. San Fran, your boys. Got it. Fun fact, San Francisco 49ers do not play in San Francisco. They play in Santa Clara, which I have called fake San Francisco for years. <laughs> I just want to get that off my chest as we're talking right. about 49er rants. And finally, Monday Night Football, Atlanta Falcons, Green Bay Packers with or without Julio Jones and Devontae Adams. After what the Packers did to the Saints last week, it's got to be Packers, baby. Packers at home, prime time for uh, Rodgers. This one might get ugly quickly. It's going to be a uh, across the board. We'll go with the Green Bay Packers. All right, Dwayne, always a pleasure, man. We'll be back next week to get it done. Please let the TZK Potters know where they can find your content. Hit me on Twitter, guys. Dwee's nuts on Twitter. All Z's, no S's. I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you guys. I'm the new kid on the block here. So uh, just reach out, shoot me a DM, tag me in something, and let's get a conversation going. Otherwise, I got a podcast of my own. Your Football Fantasy drops Saturday at lunchtime every week. Three guys, four guys sometimes. We get fucked up and talk football for an hour and a half. So if you're into that kind of thing, go find us. Your Football Fantasy anywhere you like. Fantastic. We'll do it again tomorrow with Chris Benavides of the Commission Fantasy Football Podcast, breaking down the TCK Pod Listener League, both the rookie and the veteran divisions. We'll break down week three's results and preview week four as well. Always a pleasure. Never a chore, folks. Tune in tomorrow as well. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Thursday gearing up for that weekend and enjoy um, what is of uh, tonight's NFL matchup here with the Denver Broncos at the New York Football Jets. For Dwayne Lynn, a.k.a. Dweez Nuts, I'm your boy, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.